What makes us take up causes others think are impossible? What draws others to the cause, bonds us together, and gives us an inexhaustible energy and unwavering belief that we'll succeed? I'll draw on my own experiences and talk to fellow champions about the successes, setbacks, and team dynamics that move causes forward. I'm Marvin Stockwell, and welcome to Champions of the Lost Causes. On today's show, Angela Barksdale, whose focus on improving Memphis's historic Orange Mound community has seen her produce events, lead campaigns, and advocate for the reopening of the dormant Mid-South Coliseum. We'll talk about how the Coliseum could fit in with the city of Memphis's redevelopment of its fairgrounds, now known as Liberty Park, as a community asset that could enhance other efforts underway in Orange Mound. All that and more on Champions of the Lost Causes. Welcome to Champions of the Lost Causes. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell, and I'm joined today by my good friend, uh, Angela Barksdale. Angela, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, just to set the scene here a little bit, so Angela and I are both board members with the Coliseum Coalition, a group uh, working with the city of Memphis to reopen uh, the, 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 the dormant Mid-South Coliseum, which has been closed since 2007. Um, there was a bit of a pitched battle at, at the outset. There was a plan to demolish the Coliseum, which we were able to uh, avoid, th- thankfully, uh, by throwing events, uh, calling attention to the, the possibilities uh, at the Coliseum. And somewhere you know, midstream, Angela, uh, you joined the Coliseum Coalition board, and I've been really impressed by what you've been able to bring to the table as a board member. And you have a whole set of additional contacts uh, that, quite frankly, we as white people in Memphis uh, don't don't have. So, um, and just to explain the, the the background noise here, we're here on Angela's porch or on her, on the veranda, uh, and you might hear some uh, cicadas in the background. But um, Angela. Um, just taking a step back here, let's. Uh, I'd, I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, your work in Orange Mound uh, and how that led you to being part of the Coliseum Coalition. Why is the Why is the Coliseum important to Orange Mound? Well, uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a lifelong resident of Orange Mound. Uh, one of the oldest African-American communities in the United States where African-Americans were afforded the opportunity to purchase land and build their own homes. Um, And during my youth, the Coliseum was actually a place that was made available to African-Americans for concert venues, sports venues, and uh, entertainment. When the Coliseum closed, that shut down a lot of jobs and opportunities for African Americans in the Orange Mound community. Um, 
one of my reasons for wanting to see it come back to life was because of the life it brought to the community. And that's why I'm involved with the Coliseum Board. Uh, at, my, at the time of joining the board, I met with Roy Barnes through other engagements and activities. And I became interested in the situation with the Coliseum. And I saw the opportunity to bring forth another element to the reactivation of the Coliseum. Right. Um, yeah, so Roy Barnes, uh, just note, is the uh, president of the Coliseum Coalition. And, um, you know, so our activities as the Coliseum Coalition began in 2015, and that was really the year that we beat back what we viewed as a bad plan. Uh, and in 2016... 2017, the plan to demolish was really shelved. Especially looking back in hindsight, I realize it was uh, that was when we kind of like changed gears as a city. And I think the plan to demolish it was really kind of soundly defeated in that in that time frame. Now, flash forward a few years, and there is what you'd I guess call lead funding. Uh, at the the old fairgrounds, uh, and it's been rebranded as Liberty Park, uh, and a tourism development zone uh, is the kind of funding mechanism that's uh, come into play, and it has certain requirements uh, that have to do with, you know, tourism drivers and and sales tax receipts. Um, but what now that we're now that there is development on the site uh, with the youth sports building uh, being built, uh, what do you see as the opportunity for the Coliseum? Because that's really the kind of biggest unanswered question with the entire land parcel. Well, with one of my concerns as a community activist is Liberty Park is bringing a new venue to the city of Memphis. And Memphis has a tendency of overlooking availability of other, of other uh, buildings or situations that are, have sat dormant for a while. And I think that the Coliseum, with this capacity of being able to seat, I think it's 5,000 or less, it can be used for events that would be more catered to the community on a different level. Liberty Park is going to have hotels and venues and shops and restaurants and all that, which is great. But by the same token, the Coliseum is there, and it could be refurbished and used for smaller events that would activate community involvement, such as smaller sports tournaments, graduations, church events. I mean, there's a purpose to being able to revitalize the Coliseum and I don't think that it should be eliminated 
because something big and shiny and new is coming. Let's refurbish it and make it useful again. I'm with that. Um, so just to back up a step, the Coliseum's current capacity is is uh, 11,200, but the idea here is that it would be reformatted uh, and uh, right-sized, uh, certain safety measures put in, widen the aisles, uh, put in modern safety uh, things, and make it uh, Americans with Disabilities Act compliant. Uh, that would all reduce the seat count. and to Memphis, about 5,000, am I correct? Uh, so probably... 4,900 fixed seats, about maybe up to 6,200 s- seats overall when you include floor seating. Um, but the idea here is that lots of other of Memphis's peer cities have, have figured a way out to repurpose their Coliseum era 60s uh, venue uh, in a way that uh, finds additional utility. Even cities like Memphis that has the shiny NBA arena, like we have FedEx Forum, other cities have found a way to repurpose their kind of like secondary arena as a uh, a place for smaller scale sports, smaller scale concerts, graduations, community events. So it's not like, you know, this has never been done before. And I guess now that there is at least some development on the site, the inevitable question uh, is exactly what will the Coliseum uh, become within that context? And you were saying, like, you know, making it available for community events. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Why is that important to uh, what Orange Mound wants and what the wider Memphis community wants? Well, I mean, I think if you look at the big picture, you have this this uh, venue in Liberty Park that will be available for out-of-town events. And you have um, availability will be limited. There will be bigger events that will bring, bring revenue to the city that could say possibly be possibly be set up to where say for instance a uh, uh, soccer team wants to come in or t-ball team wants to come in or a ch- championship uh, cheerleading uh, competition wants to come in and they book that facility but at the same time a community event such as uh, minor league uh, basketball, uh, basketball team or dance team or church event or something from the neighborhood or surrounding communities. I'm not limiting it just to Orange Mound. Sure. But the availability would be there for the community as a whole because I'm sure there are going to come a time when there will be some booking problems. There will be some conflicts in booking. And if you have two venues, one on a large scale and one on a small scale, it will make, be made available to the surrounding communities. I know a few years ago uh, we did a stakeholder input process where we asked people from Orange Mound and Cooper Young, Glenview, uh, Humes Heights, where my neighborhood, we asked people what they wanted to see the fairgrounds become, and they, they articulated a vision that has stuck with me, and that's, you know, they want a safe, fair place for everyone. Uh, they want to be welcomed in. They don't want... Uh, they don't mind it if tourists love uh, 
uh, the fairgrounds, but they want the fairgrounds reimagined with Memphians in mind. Uh, and I, I try to keep that, you know, uh, that those thoughts in in mind as I as I continue to kind of advocate with the city for a more equitable uh, uh, redo of the fairgrounds. But I want to make sure I'm I'm hearing you right. The uh, the your your concern is that like the needs of tourists are going to trump uh the 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 desires of of locals and and the need for community gathering space is that right somewhat and then again most definitely because you have to look at the situation you're looking to bring tourist dollars into the orange mound you're looking to reinvent so to say reinvent the wheel there's availability with the Coliseum, as I and I don't mean to be redundant in in my conversation, but there's available there's availability in the Coliseum that would afford the community as a whole to be a part of Liberty Park, um, and I mean. Income or, or tourist dollars trump in not necessarily in my mindset, but in the 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 in the city of Memphis's uh, attitude, tourist dollars are going to trump anything else. Yeah, that's that's the fear, isn't it? That that they're that the locals are going to be left kind of yes. on the outside looking yes. in. Yes. And I'm concerned because now, now mind you, I think it's a great thing. Don't 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 take my my attitude as negative towards Liberty Park. It's not. I think that that's a great idea. I look for anything that's new, but I don't want to dismiss what we already have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a lot of people have said. What they'd like to see the Coliseum uh, return to is, in many ways, what it once was, you know, right-sized for uh, the modern day. Uh, I know that in our research, we have uh, we have looked at a different at a bunch of different use types, uh, and and it seems to be that other cities are programming it with with minor league sports and smaller concerts and civic events, um, and I certainly think that those things could return uh i guess i'd be remiss if we didn't like uh, discuss the uh, uh the the fedex forum non-compete clause which in 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 many ways keeps the coliseum uh at at the disadvantage doesn't it well you have to look at the big picture uh I think that the city has become more involved and excited about the newness, about the um, generation of tourist dollars, like I said, about the excitement of something new and shiny. But at the same time, you have something that's existing that could be made just as nice uh that could be i don't want to see it torn down and i don't think that that's that's just in my mind i don't think they're gonna tear it down i think that at some point once they 
find investors or in the city's mind, they find a use for the Coliseum, which might not be what I have in mind or you have in mind. But I think that once a vision from the city's perspective is picked up on with investors that maybe something would be done to bring it back to its glory. Right. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I, I know that um, one of the biggest areas of agreement that we have, the city and those of us in the grassroots, is that we all know that third party investment is going to be uh, necessary to bring the Coliseum back online. Uh, it, you know, Two separate assessments have shown that the building is in excellent shape. And the city's own uh, estimate uh, of $40 million also included a provision or, or an estimate and how much it would cost to tear it down, which is between 8 and $10 million. So the, the kind of the thing facing anyone when looking at the Coliseum is, is to the, the city or those of us in the grassroots, anyone, is to say, who would spend between 8 and $10 million to tear down a building that two separate assessments have shown is in excellent shape and that everybody loves. I mean, I don't think anybody would do that. I, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem sensible by any by any estimate, really. Does it? Well, <laughs> you have to look at the powers to be, and you also have to look at the impact of what they see as the big picture. Uh, community, it, as of late, community uh, community activism on certain projects or certain situations has become more prevalent when there's an issue and the community stands up for it. There's an opportunity to bring attention to it, to bring, oh, well, hey, let's rethink this. And with the way things are now, I think that, you know, this show, Champion for Lost Causes, I'm not sure that the Coliseum is exactly a lost cause, but I think oh, no, for more sure not. attention needs to be brought to the um, sustainability of the Coliseum. I think there needs to be more com community involvement, more community awareness, and more of a community outcry to save this historic building. Sure. Now, if you take into consideration that, uh, okay, the city's perspective might be, well, let's get Liberty Park going, let's get it up, and then let's make a determination. But, on the other hand, once Liberty Park is up and running, I think maybe investors will see this availability of the Coliseum and that'll open some other venues for investors to come in and invest in the Coliseum. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And just to, just to say it clearly, I don't think the, the Coliseum is a lost cause either. I, I like to say the lost causes aren't lost because we found them. Uh, and we have been championing this cause for uh, almost seven years now. Uh, but I think you're right, Angela. You know, we need to get it out to uh, the wider community. I mean, it, it, there does need to be kind of a public outcry, and the, and the, and the public needs to kind of stake its claim um, to what uh, the Coliseum becomes. Um, 
And at the same time, you know, and and, and I, I get that, you know, the, the, the Coliseum is, if the rest of Liberty Park is developed, you know, it may become more attractive to uh, investors. But isn't it also true that, like, investors now are already looking at the question of the Coliseum and, and seeing the rest of the development in light of that opportunity? Well, I mean... Uh, Unbeknownst to us, there there possibly is some conversation. I mean, I think most definitely there is conversation going on that we might not be aware of, or that we might not know about, in into bringing the Coliseum into the equation, be it good or bad. I do think there is currently conversation about what to do with the Coliseum, but I think that it should also be about community involvement in these conversations um, a lot of times that's what happens with situations decisions are made and choices are made that m might not have the full interest of the community if you look at Liberty Park the properties around Liberty Park have slowly been bought up and this has been going on for the last five, six years. You look at the Beltline, it's been brought up, bought up. You look at the Airways Corridor, it's been bought up. You look at somewhere along Central and Southern, it's bought up. Then the tracks separate that area from Orange Mound. Now the revitalization plan is in effect for Orange Mound which took a champion of causes and uh, activism by the community to get it back to its original state. But my concern became that because of the Liberty Park, you've got to come through Orange Mound if you come that way. If you're coming from the airport, you're coming through Orange Mound to get to Liberty Park. So funds were allocated to revitalize Orange Mound. I mean, okay, we, we got to make this look good. So let's, this is the entrance way. Let's make this look good. So if you take into consideration that it's all cosmetic, it's all about cosmetics for the surrounding communities, then there... There are situations where I think that the communities are not given a voice in situations like these. Uh, and, and me being an African-American, I have concerns when situations like this come up because I don't like to see gentrification and all that come into play. I'm, I mean, I'm with anybody living wherever you want to live, whoever you are, whatever color you are. I'm okay with that. But don't phase out the people that are already there. Don't displace the people that are already there. Uh, and I'm reverting to Orange Mound. Orange Mound has been in a state of disrepair for years. And the attention has been brought to Orange Mound to reopen the old Melrose School. And, and there are a lot of new bright, bright and shiny things happening in Orange Mound. And I don't want to say it's because of Liberty Park, because it's not. 
it's because of the activism and the attitudes of the people in the community that are bringing these changes to Orange Mound. So it's going to take the same activism and and concern of the people to bring the Coliseum back. One of the things that's been like a, a lasting blessing for me uh, in it in all of this work on my part is in getting to know my neighbors in Orange Mound. Uh, you know, like growing up in, in East Memphis as a white person, I didn't necessarily uh, know anybody from Orange Mound. One of the things about Orange Mound that I love is just how involved its citizens are. They're just like really fantastic salt-of-the-earth people who have engaged in our process from moment one. But, you know, you talk about gentrification. Uh, you know, no one, I don't think, wants to see uh, Orange Mound be gentrified. And, and and there are these pressures where these people are trying to buy up properties, you know, and then this I whole... I mean, it's not a trying to... The, it, it's been done. It's, it's, in, it's in essence happening now. And it's been going on for some time. I mean, you look at... You look at I'm on I'm on several committees and task force and whatnot, and my reason for being on these situations is because I like to know what other people are thinking. I like to know what what's going on over there that's going to affect over here. Yeah. And a lot of people tend to wait until it affects over here before you get involved. I like to be made aware of okay, so this is going on over here. So how is this going to affect my community? Now, mind you, the mindset of the community of Orange Mound, I mean, we're happy, we're excited, we're elated, but we're not also, we're not satisfied to the point of satisfaction that any other community would have. We still see some holes in the in in the big picture that that rather than paste the picture to make it look good, we want to be active and participate in putting those pictures or making the community look good. And the Coliseum, I think, is like one of those situations where um, at one time the Coliseum provided a lot of jobs for people in Orange Mound. It provided the opportunities for people in Orange Mound to uh, cross the tracks and go to events. And if you look at the history of the Coliseum, the it was originally built for, and this is my understanding, for a venue for mixed races to be able to enjoy uh, situations. And at the time it was built, the there was, there was a white-only bathroom and a black-only bathroom, but that was never included in the plans for the Coliseum. In other words, that was, I don't know if it was a mistake or intentional to make it unified. Unified, yeah. And that's what happened. It became unified. So, I mean, there's history in the Coliseum that, that touches a lot of people and affects a lot of people. Thanks for listening to Champions of the Lost Causes. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Champions of the Lost Causes. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell, and I'm here on uh, with my friend Angela Barksdale, and we're talking about <clears throat> the Mid-South Coliseum and what can be done to uh, get it reopened. Uh, b- before the break, we were talking about uh, how uh, the Coliseum has these civil rights uh, d- DNA kind of built in from its inception about how it was the first building conceived and built uh, in the region with, with, with racial integration in mind. And, and, and that's, not, that's not insignificant in a city like Memphis. Well, now, mind you, uh, the reason I brought that point up was because if you look at the time uh, of the civil rights movement and the significance in the Orange Mound community, this location was, how do you say, uh, at that time, this location was ideal. I mean, you have, and I'm not sure if when it was built, if this was an intentional, uh, maybe we had some liberal-minded uh, architects at that time that deemed say, well, okay, we're not going to make a white-only bathroom or, uh, or black only uh, facility. So if you look at that, it's 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 crazy that you think that the powers that be would have eliminated something like this or overlooked something like this at that time. But it happened. So in 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 hindsight, that was somewhat of a blessing or step forward during that time. So I think, again, it does have uh, civil rights DNA built into it. It does have the interest of the people built into it. And that should be a factor that, I mean, we save historical houses and so forth, and the Coliseum is historical. Sure. You know, you look at the significance of the people that have been there, that have performed there, that brought unity to Memphis. Uh, I don't. It, it, I'm not sure. Is it a historical landmark? Yes, it is. It, it, it is. I think by any any account. Well, um, if it, if that's the situation, then that's your end road right there. I mean, sure. I'm just you know I think outside the box, but I'm curious about that because if the, if it has such historical value and significance, then. You can't tear it down. Well, I mean, I, you'd like to think that. Uh, certain historical protections don't necessarily safeguard a building, unfortunately. Uh, and, of course, you do have to find a business plan that works to make the building successful, or you have to plan as a city to operate at a loss. Um, but in terms of, like, civil rights, you know, it's it's important to note that in 1991... That's where they held the People's Convention, where African Americans uh, worked and met and, and decided who their consensus candidate was going to be uh, in, in the mayoral election. And, which, and that led to the, the election of the, the city's first, first black mayor, that's right. uh, W.W. W. Harrington. Um, Harrington. So, uh, and that's, they just passed the 30th anniversary of that. Uh, and I know there's a documentary being made about uh, how that all came to pass. Uh, well, I, I actually, 
I've actually viewed the documentary, and it's awesome, and I would like to tell anybody that that's something that needs to be seen because a lot of people were not aware of that uh, on that particular day. It was storming. The day of the People's Convention, it was storming. I mean, it was like the heavens opened up to wash away all the negativity in the city. And people were coming out in droves to elect the first black mayor of Memphis. So I advise people, and this is just a side note, to see that, the People's Convention. I actually went to the screening, and it was awesome. I mean, it was it was one of my <clears throat> Martin Luther King moments. Uh, so it, it was awesome. And that, that, for the Coliseum, was of historical value to me. Mm-hmm. And and you raise uh, you know talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, this is the city where he was martyred, uh, and so like and is there a particular um, residue or, or 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 lasting effect of the fact that Dr. King was was killed here, and that uh, and does that does that mean that Memphis has uh, a special responsibility to uh, act in good faith? Um, with with its with its black residents, most definitely. I mean, you look at okay, so you got Martin Luther King Drive, you got the Civil Rights Museum, you've got Dr. Martin Luther King Park. Uh, I think we need more. There needs to be more uh, places in Memphis, and I mean there are other places. But places with the significance that that fall back on African American history, you take uh, you take Graceland. Look at all the funding and everything that's put into Graceland. I mean, some of these are private funds, but look at what the city has done. The city has gone out of its way to repave Elvis Presley Boulevard, which needed and which warranted and should have been done. But there were incentives that were given to uh, private entities to keep Elvis Presley's mansion going as it has. And I'm not saying it shouldn't have been done because Elvis, I loved Elvis, no, no, no doubt. But Memphis still has racial issues. Um, and some can be addressed and some cannot. Because if you take the state of the world today and how situations in the world, in America, are today, Memphis has, I want to say, Memphis owes something. I mean, and I, I don't mean to be vague in what I'm saying, but Memphis owes something to the civil rights movement. Memphis owes something to the black community. Uh, I'm not negating uh, the Caucasian people. I'm not negating that. I'm not negating anybody. But I'm saying that there should be some special homage made to the African-American community for the 
situations that occurred with Dr. King. That's just my head. Sure. That's in my head. And the incredible contributions that have been made by black Memphians. I mean, it's like, um, you know, I'm really encouraged, and I'd love to get your take on uh, not only the restoration of historic Melrose, but also the project uh, uh, Orange Mound Tower. If you look out a little bit and and start to think about these developments that that may come online in the next five, ten, fifteen years, uh, you think think imagine a a resurgent fairgrounds Liberty Park with a reopened Mid South Coliseum, a reimagined historic Melrose, uh, and an Orange Mound Tower, uh, and and think about how those assets might play with one another and the opportunities that they might afford. Um, I know you've seen a lot come and go, Angela, uh, 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 as, a, as a person who's in her 60s, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but And I know you've seen Orange Mound in its, in its prime, and you know how great it was, and you remember how much that community mattered to so many people. Is it an encouragement to you? Uh, and I'd just love to kind of get your thoughts on on sizing up, looking out 5, 10, 15 years and thinking about those assets and what that might mean to your community. Well, I'm excited about the visions that these younger people have now. I mean, younger people now have the wherewithal, the, the ambition and the drive to... Um, bring forth their visions. The people of my age, here's the thing about about um, youth now. Young people are smart with the computer age and all that. They're smart. They know how to get things done. But they still need the wisdom of the elders to pivot them to where they're stationary in situations. If you look at the towers that are coming up, that's going to be a great thing. I mean, we've got a lot of good things happening in Orange Mountain. We've got the reimagining Melrose. You've got the Orange Mountain Towers. Um, we're redoing Orange Mountain Park and the bridge. Uh, we're going to have murals on that, and that's the entrance to Liberty City. Um, mm -hmm. Liberty Park. Li right. I'm sorry, Liberty yeah. Park. And I think that. I mean, I'm proud of of, of of my young 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 generation, and I see them with visions that I never would have imagined could come to Orange Mound. Now, when you said earlier that bringing Orange Mound back to its glory, if you can imagine a community that was self-sustaining. We had our own doctors. We had our own attorneys. We had our own movie theater. We had restaurants. We had uh, shops. We had barber shops, jewelry shops, service station, car lots. I mean, Orange Mound was a self-sustaining community. You didn't have to go outside of Orange Mound. Everything was there. And the community was strong. And now we're trying to bring that back. But with everything that's happening in the city and the surrounding areas, you have people that are coming in that are renting 
and you still have the seniors that are there and but you have transition it's transitional now and we want to bring it back to where it's stationary where you you're in a community and this is where you want to stay and it, you're served in your community you take part in events in your community so I think that if you look at the big picture, people tend not to look at the big picture. People tend to look at what affects them. But if you don't realize that the big picture actually affects you, you just don't see that yet. And that's what you have to look for. You have to look at the big picture and see how you fit into it. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess that's that's the challenge, right, is to not view things transactionally. Um, it... Uh, what what do you think the the kind of like uh, community assets? Uh, what what what's needed to undergird what you're talking about? What 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 are the next steps we need to take, or Orange Mound needs to take, Memphis needs to take, uh, to to make sure that these developments don't run roughshod over the uh, the will of the people, or 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 not even just the will of the people, but really what the people may not even understand they they'll ultimately want. Well, I would like to see, and I know this is in a never, never ever land, but what I would like to see is I would like to see the opportunity for homeowners that are in Orange Mound to receive funding to fix up their houses. Uh, I would like to see the opportunity for banks or lending agencies to open up loans where people can purchase homes. I would like to see the opportunity for funding to come in to help small business loans to regenerate the community and people have the opportunity to open up businesses. I would like to see the schools brought back up to par. Now, there will be another school built in Orange Mound within the next four years. Uh, you've got the new Port Elite facility that's coming up, uh, and it's all, it's up. I mean, it's, it's there. Um, and you have situations that are up and coming, but I understand that everything takes a process. It's a process you have to go through. But what concerns me about processes are the fact that processes occur that affect the residents that the residents might not be knowledgeable of. And that's why I participate in a lot of, not a lot, because I'm selective in what I do. I participate in causes that I know will affect the, the community as a whole. In other words, I want to know what's going on with the big picture. And right now, Orange Mound is hot. It's on fire with opportunities. But I want to see the community step forth with knowledge of these opportunities and not just have somebody come in and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to... Now, this is what we want, and we want to work with you to get it done. Mm -hmm. Is part of the challenge keeping the community properly informed? Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a big problem with, within any situation. Any people that are involved in any situation... You have the faction that knows all the facts. You have the people that know some of the facts. Then you have the people that know none of the facts. And it affects the people that know none of the facts. 
Right. So, yeah. It, uh, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty media savvy and, uh, and, and able to, uh, to, to, to make, you get the word out. You're very good at, at, at getting the word out. But, uh, and this, I guess this is a bit of a leading question, but can, should more be done to, uh, report on, uh, the, the inner workings of, of Orange Mound? Yeah, I mean, I, and and because of my work, I'm, I'm a political consultant, and I become somewhat dismayed by some of the leadership we've had in the past. Um, <clears throat> we elect people with the hopes that they're going to serve us, and during election time, you have all these candidates coming, I'm going to do, yeah, 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 I'm going to do this, I'm going to stand on the soapbox. Then they get in the office and they forget who put them there. But I'm one of those people that I call you out on it. And I'm tired of recycling a lot of politicians. Some politicians that are doing what they said they were going to do and that are actually serving the people, I'm okay with them. But there are a few we just continuously recycle, and they don't do jack. Um, They don't serve the people. And like I said, there are some that are diligent, that get out there, and they serve the people. They have the people's best interest at heart. But then there are those that get out there and cut the side deals and serve this community because they know this community can get them votes and forget about these people over here. That's why a lot of people have lost interest in voting. And that's one of my uh, champion causes is to get people to register to vote, to get some felons that have lost their voting rights the opportunity to be able to vote again because it affects them as well. And I think everybody should have the right to vote, period. I mean, that's a given, that's a given right. So I think that's, that's just me. In my right, head. right. You, you mentioned uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago murals being the kind of like gateway to Liberty Park. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I currently have a project that I'm working with the city and some private investors, hopefully to get some more. To, uh, uh, if you're familiar with the Airways Bridge, the first bridge that you come to once you cross park, I had a vision in my head because I grew up there. I grew up on Carnes Avenue. That that bridge was always ugly to me. That underpass was always ugly to me. The Frozen Foods building that's adjacent to Orange Mount Park. Okay, I'm going to give you a history lesson. Orange Mount Park was a small parcel of land that was given by uh, the city. The champion of that park was Fred Davis, who was one of the first black uh, African-American city councilmen. And they put the park up there put a swimming pool up there. This facility, I can't remember the name of it at that time, but there was a facility, Frozen Foods, that bought this big 
refrigerated building there. And when they purchased that building, they encroached on the land at the park. In other words, they took some of the land at the park and said, well, okay, we're going to we're going to use this this little part right here and we're going to we're going to give y'all something. We're going to put some swings and little stuff up there and we're going to maybe put a little pool up there. Okay, they encroached on that land and kept encroaching and kept taking the land. And what eventually happened was the park became small. Uh, they closed the pool. Now, when I was growing up, there was a, a big whale. We just had a sprinkler, big whale. And Fred Davis got a pool put there. So when the frozen foods place came in, they took the pool. And we're going to put it back. Never got it back. Never got it back, huh? And frozen foods has changed hands, I believe, four times. Now, with that being said, with my project with the murals, the Frozen Foods building is an eyesore on Carnes Avenue. It's ugly. It's it's ugly. So, with is the it help, still being operated? Yes, uh -huh. it's still a facility. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, with <coughs> with the contact of uh, housing and community development, I was able to reach out to the new owner of the Frozen Foods facility. And Mark lives in, I think, Utah somewhere. I, I'm not sure. Anyway, we talked, and he's a wonderful guy. And we're looking forward to working with him. He's going to paint the building for us. He's going to do some in-kind donations. And, I mean, he was open to, after he learned the history of what had happened, mm. he was open to making good. Good so yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to have on the frozen foods building, this is my vision of having, I want everybody that's in Orange Mound that wants to leave their handprint in Orange Mound to come. I know this sounds crazy, but it makes sense. Uh, no, Dip I their like hand it. in some orange paint uh -huh. and put their handprint on that wall. And it's, it's maybe a good block long. I want you to put your handprint on that wall and write your name in there. That'll be there forever. And I wanted to say we are the mound. Then when you come on around to the underpass, we're going to have the panels done artistically with murals by local artists, Orange Mound artists, and Arts Memphis. I think it's Arts Memphis. Yeah. Uh, to have murals that will depict history, education, religion, sports, entertainment, legacies, and the youth. And those are going to be depicted on those panels under the bridge. Cool. Now, on the panel on the park side, we're going to have uh, pictures that will depict all that occurred in Orange Mound Park. We had our own baseball team. We had the pool up there, and all those pictures will be put on that side of the park. So th that's the mural project, and the park renovations in the park should be completed by this time next year, and hopefully the, some of the murals will be up by then as well. But we're working on the murals and everything now.
We'll have more after a break. You're listening to Champions of the Lost Causes. Welcome back to Champions of the Lost Causes. We're talking with Angela Barksdale, lifelong uh, resident of, of Orange Mound uh, and, a, and a community champion uh, of her uh, community. Um, we, we talked a bit in the last segment, Angela, about the murals that you're planning and working with the city on uh, within Orange Mound, the kind of like uh, entry uh way to Liberty Park redevelopment, you know, that'll be a very visible sign. And I know that in a lot of uh, instances, arts are used to activate uh, certain areas and and are a a visible sign that vibrancy is returning to uh, a community, or it it certainly can be a depiction of the hoped for uh, vibrancy that a community wants to see return. Um, You we, as the Coliseum Coalition, have also been working on a mural project at the Coliseum uh, with uh, Theo James and Nisa Williams, his daughter. And I wondered if, if you would uh, talk a little bit about um, how that project came about and what role you see it playing uh, with the Coliseum's revitalization. What, 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 what does it kind of communicate to people who are walking up on it? I think the, the the mural project was a great idea uh, about showing some interest in the Coliseum, as opposed to just being an abandoned facility. It's showing that it does have life, and the murals are showing the history. Uh, Nisa and Theo did a wonderful job. I mean, the murals... Anybody that has not seen them, go by there. I encourage you to go by there and take it in. Take, I mean, this is something to see. Uh, and it depicts events that occurred in the Coliseum that from entertainment to community to the civil rights to sports. And this is something that should be taken in by all. I mean, you go see other tourist attractions. This is a tourist attraction. So, so go see the murals at the Coliseum. Now, mind you, it gives the Coliseum a new look. It, it gives it vitality. It gives it hope and encouragement. In other words, it's waking it up. It's, 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 it's set dormant for so long. And these murals are like, hey, we woke, wake up. You know, it's waking it up. And I would like to see eventually murals all the way around it. Uh, to show its potential. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Like it, it's a it's a sleeping giant, right? Yeah. And it's uh, the panels. Uh, if, for those of you who haven't seen it, are you know start with you know there's an Otis Redding panel on the far left, and as you move right, it moves toward the future. And smack dab in the middle is a as a mural of uh, a graduation. And graduations are something that were a big part of the Coliseum's past, and I know a lot of people would like to see that be part of its future. Um, another panel that I really love is uh, Frances Baker Motley. Uh, she was the uh, African-American attorney 
who uh, argued the case of Watson right. versus the city of Memphis right. in front of the Supreme Court, um, which integrated Memphis's park system. And I guess that's the kind of like intentional nod to the uh, the civil rights provenance uh, of of the building. What do you see happening in in the in the near term in terms of uh, the Coliseum opportunity within what's happening at Liberty Park uh, now? I'm hopeful that the Coliseum will be revitalized. I can see the potential for once this pandemic has passed and prayerfully it will soon pass that the opportunity will be afforded to events such as in my head you look at the Southern Heritage Classic you've got the Liberty Bowl you've got Tiger Lane and you've got the Coliseum in the past all of the events for the uh, Southern Heritage Classics, such as entertainment, has been taken to the Landers Center or has been taken to uh, Mississippi. If I were Fred Jones, I would be one of the champions to reopen the Coliseum because that venue would be ideal for everything Southern Heritage Classics. You got the game at Liberty Bowl, you got the tailgating in Liberty Park, and you can have all your concerts and events, entertainment events, at the Coliseum. I would be one of the people on the front, rah, 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 let's save the Coliseum if I were Fred Jones, because that makes sense. You're not taking dollars away from Memphis, you're bringing them back in. Grant you, you bringing dollars in with Southern Heritage Classic but make this one big facility event. And then with Liberty Park coming there, you're looking at, you've got Liberty Park over here, you've got hotel space, you've got all that. It's one big entertainment system. And I've got to throw this in. I look at, I don't know if any of the listeners have ever been to Detroit. I went to Detroit at a younger age, and I thought it was awesome. Then I went back maybe five, six years ago, and I was shocked. The inner city in Detroit, you have all these beautiful homes, same with Orange Mound, that are abandoned because they built the basketball arena. They built the casino. They built the soccer field. They built the the racetrack thing. And everything around it just fell apart. Every, everything, and, and, and I'm not going to let that happen on my watch to Orange Mound. But I said that to say this. You're building something bright and shiny and new. And this is a sportsplex entertainment. You've got the whole entity right there with the Coliseum and Liberty Park and Tiger Lane. Liberty Bowl. You got the whole thing right there. So make it useful. Use that for that purpose. And I would like to see that be brought back to its 
full potential because you've got Church of God and Christ could come back. You've got graduations. You've got, it, there's just a plethora of things that could occur there. So I see it being a waste just not to use it. Yeah. You, you know, you raise an interesting point about uh, the Southern Heritage Classic and, and, and Fred Jones. I, I have to believe he, he, he would love to see the Coliseum reopened. And I know that the, that the guys at the Liberty Bowl also, they used to have their galas and their prayer breakfasts uh, in the Coliseum. How handy would it be to have that all just like Everything right, right there. Right there. Um, what, about, what about the operator of the youth sports building? Uh, I wonder what I wonder what they look at the Coliseum and, and think is the, is the opportunity. Well, you have those developers now that are so involved in what they're developing, period. They're not concerned with anything that doesn't concern them. You don't think that, it, that, that they're looking at that going, hmm, I wonder what that's going to become. Like, isn't that going to adversely I affect think us? Once, I, th- I mean, I think there's some conversations going on now on to what's that's, what that's going to become. So... I'm 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 a true believer that that there is conversation about the Coliseum now, and like I said, this that's the big picture, you know. And right. there's certain people that are involved in the big picture, and but it filters down and affects the people that are not involved in the big picture. Right. So I'm sure there I'm I'm, I'm I know that there are conversations now about. What are we going to do with the Coliseum? You know, how how is this going to filter in? So, yeah, I mean, I know there's conversation, most definitely. I uh, uh, I went to the Liberty Park uh, gr- groundbreaking, and I had a moment uh, with Mayor Strickland, <clears throat> who I know you count as a friend, uh, and, and, and you, you work with Mayor Strickland. You have a good relationship with him. So I went up to him, and I said, Mayor, um, we wouldn't be standing here today if, if you hadn't said, give me a plan for the tour, the tourism development zone. Uh, and I said, a lot of people didn't think that your team would get there. You know, there was a lot of doubt that, that they would get the TDZ passed in Nashville, but they, but they punched it in the end zone, so to speak, and they got it done. Uh, I said, and he said, well, Marvin, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I, and I said, while I was still shaking my, shaking his hand, I, and in the same breath, I said, uh, now, Mayor Strickland, I know it won't surprise you that I think there's still great utility in that building uh, um, pointing to the Coliseum and that I think could serve, could fit in well with you sports. And Mayor Strickland said, Marvin, perhaps in time. And I wonder, uh, since you know him probably better than I do, how do you think Mayor Strickland uh, sees the Coliseum? What, what do you think the, is the opportunity in his mind? Well, you, you have to look at the mindset of a politician. Um, politicians have a way of answering your question and not answering your question. That's the true nature of a politician. But they answer it in a way, what determines a good politician as opposed to a bad one is, a good politician knows how to answer your question with hope. A bad politician answers your question with a question. So I think that he has thoughts and concerns and conversations now about what's going to happen with the Coliseum. But I don't think 
as a politician, he's ready to not negate the fact that there's going to be something done or not agree to the fact that there's going to be something done. You know, politicians have to be mindful of all their constituents at all times. That's why I couldn't be a politician because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't... I would serve the people, but a lot of people would be mad at me, and I really wouldn't care. But I would look at the best interest of the people right. uh, in my choices. So, I mean, Mayor Strickland is a good guy. He's a fair guy. I've known him for a long time, and I think he has brought a lot of advancement to the city. But I also think there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that I'm concerned about, because I, I know this upcoming election is going to be a circus. So I'm concerned about who will want to run for mayor or what their visions are. And I think people need to be very selective in their choices, be knowledgeable of who you're voting for this time, because this is going to affect you, whether you believe it or not. So, you know, I can't comment on his choices or what I think he thinks because I really don't know. Yeah. Um, and and maybe, maybe he's content to know that he got Liberty Park started uh, and, and he's going to leave that for the next mayor to, and the next, you know, kind of city leadership to contend with well i mean if i were if i were a politician i would make the whole thing work at one time i mean this is one big space yeah i would make it all work and that would be my legacy you know you ride through this jim strickland brought all this back brought this new and brought this back i would make that my legacy right so because the next mayor that comes in I'm concerned uh, you know he might have the the big picture in, in his head and, and, and the big picture in his pocket so I don't know I'm concerned mm -hmm. yeah that is that is really the opportunity uh, for Mayor Strickland is to is, is to kind of take it all uh, together as one kind of like consistent cloth but I feel like the the way that Liberty Park is, is being developed it takes a more kind of like parcel by parcel approach that I think, you know, leaves the Coliseum susceptible to being like, well, what's what's going to happen? And yes, against again, that's balanced against the argument that if you develop other parts of it, then maybe it's more attractive. And I guess that's the calculus. But um, Angela, as we as we wrap up here uh, on Champions of the Lost Causes, you know, what are some uh, lasting some thoughts you'd want to leave uh, our listeners with about about Orange Mound, about the potential of Memphis, uh, and just the potential for for everyone to work to affect change in their community? I would like for people to be more politically conscious of what goes on. I mean, it starts with you. It starts with your mindset, and it. It morphs into like-minded people coming together for the greater good. You have to be passionate about something 
to make change. Um, yeah, we get out and march. We get out and, and protest. But you have to create something that will last. You have to create something that when you're gone, it's still there. You look at the civil rights movement. It was created, but it has lasting effects, but it is not complete because I feel people, black and white, lost interest in the greater good. And therefore, you have a disarray of everything. Nothing is concrete. Nothing is set in stone. No, nothing is like-minded, you know, and that will destroy a nation, period. How do we get that back? How do we get that communication, back, Communication. It takes communication. It takes conversation. I mean, marches are great. I, 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 you know, back in the civil rights movement, the marches were necessary. The protests were necessary. Now the marches are necessary and the protests are necessary. But they don't have a great of an impact as they used to. You know, people march, now they just get sweaty. Uh-huh. There's no more mass media like the way it was yeah, back in the 60s. Yeah, you know, because, you know, media's... I have an issue with media, but anyway, that's another that's another podcast. But <laughs> you you have to have conversation. You have to start somewhere, and conversation is the start. Because when you lack communicating with people, therein lies the problem. If you can't sit and talk or you can't express your feelings and expect the same from another person and take those feelings in consideration and work together to make them unify, nothing's ever going to work. And that's with anything. That's with, that's with going to the store. If I want a carton of milk, it's in my mind, I'm going to go in the store and buy a carton of milk. But I got to go in your store and buy that carton of milk. So it's your, your job to sell me that milk. So that's communication. So it takes cohesiveness to make anything work. Right. Yeah, social cohesion. Well, Angela uh, Barksdale, thank you so much for being on Champions of the Lost Causes today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Champions of the Lost Causes is a production of the Back to the Light Podcast Network. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell. Produced by Ryan Azada. With production assistance by J.D. Rieger. Logo and design by Collins Dillard. Music by Ryan Azada. If you like the show, please follow, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. Keep up with the latest at championsofthelostcauses.org.
part of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.